you're having a dinner party. It's last mm-hmm. minute. You've realized the cocktail I'm making. This this happens to Bobby all the time. The specialty cocktail that Josh is making. We're missing an item. We're missing a piece. And it can't be. Su- There's no substitutes. We have to go yeah. to the liquor store. But we don't we have, have time. We have to get this particular vermouth or amaro. But we can't leave because the oven's on. What are you going to do? What's the solution? What would you do? DoorDash. Because I know that I can get local restaurants, local stores, local establishments and get it to my apartment in no time. If you're looking to celebrate with some special drinks, here's to alcohol delivers with DoorDash. Getting ready to host, looking to celebrate a special night in, what about a bottle of wine to pair with dinner or some beer to go with your chips and dip? No matter the occasion, if drinks are called for, DoorDash has you covered. And then you know what? You tip right within the app. They get 100% of the tip. You got to tip your DoorDash drivers always. So save up to 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code WHO24. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening any evening. Term supply must be 21 plus to order alcohol. Drink responsibly. Delivery and promotions available only in select markets. You will drain it. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And he turns me off like a light switch, Lindsay. Charlie Puth is too horny on Maine. I'm changing around the bustle headline. Wait, you've changed your tune? You were so into him. No, 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 no. I, I've kept the tune. Yes. I'm just a little alarmed now. You I'm were. I'm just a little alarmed. <laughs> he says he jerked off to This Love by Maroon 5. It was such a weird thing that when he told Adam Levine that he jerked off to This Love by Maroon 5, Adam Levine was creeped out. If your response was not creeped out, that would be a bigger problem, I think. <laughs> But also he was saying that like music is horny. He was like, mm-hmm. well, for me, like being horny is creative because creativity creates music and music is horny. So I'm horny for music. And one time I did this and it was like, OK, no one asked. Like it was very like Kim Kardashian would like I would put shit on my face if it made me younger. It's like, stop. Stop right there. I'm stopping poop. you right there. <laughs> poop. Didn't she use the word poop? I abuse poop. Well, she has children, so I think she said poop. You know, she's used to saying poop. This was what I don't understand. So this is, we're quoting a bustle profile of Charlie Puth in advance of his new album, which still doesn't have a release date. Charlie Puth is horny on Maine. And he says, quote, the first song I ever jerked off to was fucking This Love by Maroon 5. Unquote. He says a few minutes later, comma, practically unprompted. What does that mean? Practically unprompted. I have to say, that's shady. What does that mean? Practically <laughs> I unprompted. I think that's shady. I think that's the writer being shady. We need the transcripts. I want it's the not transcript. unprompted if you're sitting there talking to him. About horniness? I guess she's saying, the writer is saying, well, I didn't ask what songs you're jerking off to, but I guess. What how did would... the writer ask? Practically Unprompted is a very interesting aside. What music do you listen to? And he's like, I jerked off to this love once. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God. Also, huge difference between jerking off to something and jerking off while something is happening. It's happening. And he says like, he jerked off to this song. Which is like, the song got me going. And I would argue like, not even a song that, not that I'm like thinking in these terms, I'm not as musically inclined as Charlie Puth, but like, is that a sexy song? Like, to me. No. 
It's like, I think maybe Adam no. Levine is sexy. Adam <laughs> Levine always has been, you know. But he didn't say I jerked off to the This Love music video. He jerked off to like the time signature, you know, like the specifics <laughs> of the music. The lyricism. Like, okay, Beethoven, go off, King or whatever. You know, like I don't get it, but maybe the excitement of the BPM got him going or something. I tried my best to feed her appetite, keep her coming every night. So hard to keep her satisfied. I don't want to talk about Charlie Puth being horny. I want to talk about Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, and Mary Steenburgen being horny in Italia. Yeah, Book Club 2, we didn't even know we were being served it, and yet it's on the menu. <laughs> I'm not mad, but like, did this just come out of nowhere? It wasn't on the menu, and, the, and they said, oh, the chef brought you this. Right. Honestly, like, the nicest thing in the world is when the chef brings you something for free, even though you didn't order it, and like, you kind of don't even really want it, but you're like, I'm going to eat this, and it's going to be the best thing I've ever had like to eat you know that's how i feel about book club too and book club too the next chapter is going to be the best thing i've ever had exactly I, the question is what are they reading because i don't know we're not it's not very clear right. and like yes. the number one question is in the first one they read 50 shades of gray but the second one what they read is really going to dictate like what the trip is right are they reading what are they well, reading are they re oh my god forget. are they, they reading read, um um they read Ferrante, multiple though Maybe they're, that's why they're in Italy. They could be. They could be reading Under the Tuscan Sun. That's, is that a book? That's a movie. You can't read that. But it was a memoir first. Sure. But like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like that's too. Fifty Shades was a movie too. But remember they read, they read multiple because they read the whole series. And I think Ferrante actually makes a lot of sense because the movie is kind of broken up into like, well, now we're reading the sequel. Now we're reading the other one. You know, maybe yeah. they're going to read all of these well there's but there's nothing sexy about well there's something kind of sexy about those books but it's not like fun it's like about friendship yeah yeah maybe they're just reading like a cookbook oh that'd be fun right for a movie i anticipated being really stupid i've seen book club so many times and i enjoy it every single time yes but what's your favorite what's your favorite line what is it there's it's a sub deck it's a sub roof what is it <laughs> no it's where <laughs> It's your when favorite line. It's when they're on the roof and they he tosses a penny off the roof. And he's like, mm -hmm. oh, this could kill someone. And she goes, there's a subroof or something. And then they kiss. <laughs> right? There's a subroof. I think I put I put the clip on YouTube. It's on my YouTube. It's literally it's on, on Lindsay's root. Okay, it's let's go on YouTube. my YouTube. YouTube Lindsay Weber. Do you want to make a wish? Mm. I do. Probably killed someone. There's a subroof. There's a subroof. <laughs> okay, also, I will say there's a subroof currently only has 33 views. Morning Muhammad, my first video that I posted three Morning years ago Muhammad. as well, has 6.8 thousand views, which is 6,800 views. Morning Muhammad. Morning Muhammad. <laughs> See? <laughs> and someone commented, every time I get lip filler, I think of this scene. <laughs> Every time I make out with Don Johnson on a roof, I think of there's a subroof. There's a subroof. There's a subroof. You are listening to Who's There? A Weekly Call-In Show, where we take your questions, comments, and concerns at 619-WHO-THEM. Let's start with comments. Hi, I am calling about the confusion around why Maggie Gyllenhaal is showing up as a member of the Elvis cast. Um, 
she was originally supposed to play Gladys, um, Elvis's mom. And from what I understand, she was recast because of fake COVID reasons. I don't understand what those reasons were, to be honest. Um, and now Gladys is being played by Colleen Kaplan. So I'm wondering if you can tell me who Helen Thompson is. From her IMDb, the only thing I can tell is that she's been in a bunch of TV episodes and some TV movies, but I would love to know more about her since she is replacing Maggie. Okay. Bye. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say about this woman. She was in Kangaroo Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's a TV actress mostly. Doesn't seem all that interesting beyond this. A very hardworking actor. That's who Helen Thompson is. Maggie Gyllenhaal was cast on February 7th, 2020, or the Variety reported her casting on February 7th, 2020. Maggie Gyllenhaal was originally signed to play the role, but had to leave the project due to other commitments when shooting was put on hold last spring. I assume that this means the lost daughter got in the way. She was like, well, I'm going to be my own creative person. I'm not going to join Baz Luhrmann's creative vision. I'm going to do my own thing. I can't imagine a better decision than choosing the lost (laughs) daughter over Baz Luhrmann's Elvis in which you played the mom. Hey, Lindsay Bobby, first time, long time. Um, I am actually at the Cannes Film Festival right now, and I can confirm that the length of standing ovation doesn't necessarily correspond to how good the film is, although, I don't know, a lot of times the film warrants it, but I've noticed that it only takes a few like very enthusiastic clappers and cheers to keep the standing ovation going and it feels kind of weird if everyone around you is like clapping and cheering for the movie for you to not like i guess unless you had like a true like moral opposition to the film it does feel weird it feels like weird and rude to not continue to cheer and clap uh when everyone else is um so yeah just wanted to share leanne cuisine well, direct from Can, it's about mob mentality. <laughs> it's dirty peer pressure and nothing else. I mean, I, I'm i starting to think it's just PR mm-hmm. <laughs> right at this point. Like maybe it's someone's job at Warner Brothers to be the hype person, to like not stop. Did you see the hooligan who did the research to correlate clapping at Can to positive reviews? The Dataviz person. Yes, that was amazing. We should link to that on our Twitter. Where is that information? I feel like I should say who that is. Their name was Jess.FYI on Instagram. Jess Standifer. Do long standing ovations at can correlate to a higher Rotten Tomatoes score. And this is like a Dataviz expert who made this amazing like graph that compares length of standing ovation to Rotten Tomatoes score. What she found was with excluding the neon demon which was funny because that was the one you mentioned as being and the paper boy the longest yeah. and the worst and the paper boy everything else correlates meaning the longer the standing ovation the better the rotten tomato score so mm-hmm. they did kind of correlate which was the longer mm-hmm. the standing ovation the better the movie was i think elvis might be a well tbd on that one being another neon demon <laughs> but but it mostly correlated which is kind of fun mostly correlated. thanks jess.fyi i'm gonna follow from who Look at all this good data viz. Okay, I know I call too much, but you have to talk about Jeffree Star's yak meat. No sign off. No hello. Just talk about Jeffree Star's yak meat. No sign off. No hello. 
What is this? Just- <laughs> we get no sign off, no hello. <laughs> Sorry, I sound like an ungrateful like mother. You mother. Know? <laughs> <laughs> what? What is this? No sign off, no hello. You okay, always want to call. You just want to talk about the yak meat. Yak meat this, yak meat that. You just want to talk about Jeffrey. You just saw me say Jeffrey Star's yak meat. That's all you want from us. Nothing else. Jeffrey Star is selling yak meat. He's pivoted. Is he actually pivoted? He's just added something new to his portfolio. Well, he still does makeup. See, that's the thing yeah. is like I do for- think people forget. Well, people don't forget. His fans know exactly what he's doing. But the undercurrent of the Jeffree Star, you know, kind of, uh, what do you call it? Uh uh, Empire? Empire, thank you. Is makeup still. It's still oh, making makeup. Oh God, stop. Oh my God. <laughs> the intro to his videos is like is like truly toxic. He's like, hello there. Well, like it's just so it hurts me. But uh, people are still he still has quite a fan base and a lot of it is based off makeup reviews as well as creating his own makeup that sells really well. This is interesting to me because there almost feels like a little bit of a uh, anti-cancel culture twist in this um, kind of moving to Montana, buying a ranch, yak meat. Oh, I'm going to like live this kind of life that's almost more against the the glitterati, you know, even mm-hmm. though like that really is kind of like, oh, the 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 huge pink mansion that I bought, that's actually not me this is me I'm gonna like buy guns and like go out on the truck and like do, you know kind of do do the unexpected a little bit of like that kind of contrarian fuck you in a way you know yeah but it's also like I'm moving to Wyoming because there's no income tax <laughs> you know well, that like sure, I'm also moving too. here for tax purposes that's a great point that's a great point the story has sort of evolved in the months since he moved to Wyoming. Because I remember when he moved there, we talked about it. It was like, this is really just like a, a, a financial scheme, right? That's kind of all it was. Oh, Kanye's already done this. Like, we're seeing more and more celebrities do this. And then the locals in Wyoming are getting upset about it, blah, 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 blah. So he buys all this land. And he's like, I have yaks now. Well, suddenly, cut to months later, the yaks have been slaughtered and packaged as star yak ranch ground yak yak jerky yak steaks he's selling all kinds of yak meat the crazy thing is like when he got there he was like my pets here's versace here's cloud here's blessing here's like jacob you know like he's talking all these yaks he's like sunshine yes honey yes mama like love my yaks or whatever he's writing the yaks in the photos (laughs) and the next thing you know they're dead they're literally dead meat (laughs) this comes after eight Eight months after Insider previously reported that Jeffree Star LLC filed to trademark Star Yak Ranch in categories including butchering services, clothing, and edible pet <laughs> treats last September. I, I don't know if why people are so shocked. I mean, I, I do think that, like, expect the unexpected with this guy. And, like, that's mm-hmm. always what you're going to get. Like, he doesn't set rules for himself that he follows. He'll be like, he's not going to go against anything that can make him money. Let's be real. Right. Right. That is the ultimate goal for this guy is to make money. Like it doesn't matter. He's he moves to Wyoming and buys like what looks like I'm not a gun person, thank God, but like what looks like an assault rifle and he's posing gladly with it. What looks like a pink handgun and he's posing with it. Like he doesn't really seem to have a, a moral baseline. Moral <laughs> yeah, know? there's no moral kind of grounding in this person. But I do yeah. think that's what makes him an amazing YouTuber because the controversy that he causes is like is like inherent to his nature. It's just like, oh, like I'm you think I'm some way. Oh, I'm going to like get a Beretta like made for me and like 
piss everybody off. You know, and then you have people being like, as a farmer in a Midwestern, I can't explain how much I love the newer stuff you're showing us. So that now a new audience has found Jeffree Star and been like, wow, like, look at you, you know, relating to the people of the earth or like whatever. And that's just what he wants. It's devious. It's devious. So after the news that he is now selling yak meat from the yaks that he previously showcased as like his pets. He still claims that like some of the yaks he keeps his pets. He doesn't photograph the yaks that he slaughters. I'm not sure that I believe that. 100%. He responded to the like virality and the outrage over his yak meat in like a seven tweet thread. I won't read the whole thing, but he basically says he's I quote, never gave a fuck about where my food was coming from and what I was putting in my body. I love getting older and expanding my knowledge. He goes, our country is trying to take women's rights away and there's already so much hate on the internet and every single moment. There's no way people are actually concerned about me supplying my local community with food. I've donated over 1,000 pounds of meat to shelters. So he's saying, I'm actually the good guy here. Quit, like, lay off. Well, also his argument is like, at first I wasn't going to do this type of butchering work with my yak farm and now I am. (laughs) People can change. People can say one thing and do another, you know, LOL, whatever. It's interesting because somebody named Teresa said like, it is interesting that you're promoting a vegan cosmetics line and then you're also promoting like meat consumption. It's a bit of a conflict of interest. No, I personally don't care to each their own. (laughs) Okay, Teresa. But like, you're right. Like, Animal testing on cosmetics is different than like butchering in terms of like industry as well as how it's, it, it's making me think, which I'm like, this is interesting. You know what I mean? Like the conversation is interesting. What it's giving is RuPaul fracking. It's sort it's of like, giving RuPaul fracking. It's giving RuPaul fracking because he's saying nothing I'm doing is illegal. I'm just making money. And I also support, you know, all these queens on my show all the time. Why can't I make a little money on the side? Well, it's also just like gay people can be bad too. Right, right, right. This is a gay wrong. And because of that, it's also a gay right. (laughs) I know. It truly is. And you know what? Pride Month is all about like breaking stereotypes Mm -hmm. and being like, seeing you know true representation and that's what we're trying to we're trying to see here supervillains can be landowners yak slaughterers and makeup queens you know like they can be all of these things i absolutely it's too much it's too much for our brains to handle you know we just we're so confused by it yeah i mean i am i am like like 100 repulsed by him turning on one of his videos i find him to be generally difficult to watch there's something very not comforting about his entire vibe to me and that's fine his vibe yeah. is super villain but i mean even just i think a lot of people find him very um relatable and like real you know what i mean like there's nothing related about him but you know what i mean i think a lot of people find him very like real talk you know what i mean mm-hmm. i'm giving you the truth i'm telling you the truth yeah. And I just I just don't like it. <laughs> Hi, Who Weekly. Can you please talk about why Matthew Morrison got fired from So You Think We Could Dance? Apparently, it was because he was sending, quote unquote, flirty text messages to a contestant. I wasn't watching this season of So You Think You Could Dance specifically because he was on the judging panel. So... I'm not saying I'm happy he's fired, but maybe now I'll watch. Anyway, crunch, crunch. Matthew Morrison has been fired by So You Think You Can Dance, but he was just hired a month ago, a month and a half ago. Well, the show started. He's been on it. The show is 
it wasn't like they hired him and the show hasn't started production. The sh- he was actively on the show and now he is actively mm-hmm. off the show. That's kind of a different situation than usual, which is like, oh, they brought they're considering somebody and then they ends up not using him. They're like, he's been on the show. Or like, oh, he's not returning next season. No, it's literally like he's not returning next episode. So that's like more <laughs> alarming. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And people were really confused. Yes. Like, what was it that got him? literally kicked off the show as it's airing it had to have been a big thing at first they didn't know what no one knew what it was he just disappeared from the show and then thank god somebody did like a little bit of reporting um let's see who was it is that variety who is that the original story just said he was out after quote not following competition production protocols and they were saying well what does that mean Well, you know what it means. And he released a statement saying, I cannot apologize enough to all involved, and I will be watching alongside all of you on what I know to be one of the best seasons yet. And he says, I did not follow competition production protocols. The weird thing is, like, Matthew Morrison is one of those celebrities that, like, never really has not done anything wrong publicly, but everyone just is kind of like, about, you know, in a way. You're a scumbag. Yeah. But, like, but, but, but for, with no evidence. But it's just funny that the shoe, the other shoe dropped and people, the people exclusive was like, he was DMing and flirting with the contestant and it was weird. They felt weird and said, you know, I feel weird. And they were like, okay, well, you can no longer be a judge of the show if you're going to do shit like this. A source told people, They didn't have sex, but he reached out to her through flirty direct messages on social media. She felt uncomfortable with his line of comments and went to producers. Good for her, by the way. Truly. Then Fox got involved and he was fired after they they did their own investigation. They said that he basically sent her messages that made her uncomfortable. She probably found them a little abusive and annoying. He's also married. Not that it really makes it worse or anything, but it's just another detail. Then they were like, fuck you, you're out of here. Right. I mean, aside from it being creepy and like unwanted attention it's also just probably against the rules you can't like you know message a contestant in a show that you're judging right i mean right obviously that's the secondary who gives a shit about that but i'm just saying like in general that's like that is against protocol (laughs) that's against competition production protocol so that's pretty straightforward i'm just like kind of i mean it's this is a pretty low bar but good on fox for doing this like good on the producers of so you think you can dance for not even like dragging this out it's like bye-bye you're out i appreciate that that seems sort of rare and good in this I don't know, day and age, you know? Right. But it's it's almost like everyone knew. Like, I hate to be like everyone knew, but like everyone knew. Like, everyone knew. Like, if like what you're saying is if you were a producer on So You Think You Can Dance and his resume came across your desk, you'd say, I'm not hiring this creep. <laughs> you know, like you would have said it from day one. I just kind of want there. There's a ch- there's a charm to this guy that people find that I just don't. I'm curious who sees it. Right. JoJo's a co co judge, you know that on this show. Again, I don't watch So You Think It Dance, but I know people really love this show, so it's it's got a legacy. JoJo tweeted something kind of funny. Someone tweeted and added her in it, a random fan. Damn it! I saw the headline: Judge leaves hashtag SYTYCD and got excited. Yes, JoJo Siwa was out, but nope, it was Matthew Morrison. Damn it! Blah 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 blah. JoJo quote tweeted that and said, "Literally, why tweet this?" <laughs> Her presence on that panel makes way more sense than Matthew Morrison's. This is so fucking annoying. I'm like at the grocery store. I'm getting stuff for dinner. I'm getting that that fake chickpea pasta that I love so much. Bonza. This is not Spawn, but it's so fucking good. So I'm thinking about how good this pasta that I'm going to make tonight is going to be. And I start getting texts from Timmy and Lindsay saying that Matthew Morrison has spoken. He took to Instagram to speak out 
about the allegations that got him fired from So You Think You Can Dance, okay? Ultimately, he says this was all a big misunderstanding. He sent a single DM to a contestant not knowing that it was against the rules to do so. The DM, according to him, was completely innocuous and meant to be the first step in him helping her get a job as a choreographer on the show, which, I mean, to me just seems like favoritism. He says he didn't know it was against the rules, but how is it not obvious that you shouldn't be DMing contestants that you are judging showing favoritism? I don't know. The point is, this all happened and we need to provide this context. Here it is. Matthew Morrison's minute-long explanation for his firing. I'm going to go make pasta. Bye. It's really unfortunate that I have to sit here and defend myself and my family against blatantly untrue statements made anonymously, but I have nothing to hide. So in the interest of transparency, I will read to you the one message that I wrote to a dancer on the show. Hey, it's Matthew. If you don't mind, would love to get your number and talk you through some things. The end. I sent this because this dancer and I both share a mutual respect for a choreographer that I've known for over 20 years, and I was trying to help her get a job as a choreographer on the show. It's, it's devastating that we live in this world where gossip rules and people's lives are being thrown around as clickbait. Um, I think this is much bigger than me and this story. Gossip is toxic and it is destroying our society, and we need to do better. And in no way do I want this to take away from the show because dance has always been a unifying and healing modality. And I genuinely wish all the contestants and my fellow judges all the best. Springtime vibes are in the air. And when I bring in some beautiful flowers that are blooming, I want to smell them, not the litter box. And I can't, thanks to Pretty Litter. I'm going to correct this ad because I didn't bring any flowers in. But you know what I did cook yesterday? A big pot of beans. It smelled delicious in my apartment. It smelled like all the yummy stuff I was cooking and it didn't smell like cat poo-poo or cat pee-pee because I use Pretty Litter. You're saying springtime vibes are in the air and when I cook a big pot of beans, <laughs> I'd rather I want to smell beans. them, yes. not the litter box. I'd rather okay, smell beans great. than flour. I'm trying to personalize I don't think it. Pretty Litter would mind you correcting their intro with your own personal endorsement, which is yes. that you want to smell your beans. Yes, delicious fragrant beans with bay leaves and garlic and onion. This is all to say that nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odor. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, it's low-dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. So I know that when people come over to my apartment, they're going to be smelling whatever I'm cooking, whatever's in the air, you know, like whatever candle I lit. They're not going to smell what's in the litter box because it soaks it all up. Plus, the crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illness in my cat, like UTIs, kidney issues, and more. So when the colors change, you can tell your vet what happened so they know what to look for. And if that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to my door. I never run out. I don't have kitty litter bags taking up a lot of space in my little apartment. Go to prettylitter.com slash who to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash who to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Prettylitter.com slash who. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I was in Florida this past weekend and guess what was... The talk of the town. Your mom's aura frame? The aura frame. The aura frame kept, it was scrolling through every photo. I was like, oh, oh, there's that. Oh, there's that. Oh, there. I'm like, where'd they get that photo? There's always a photo where I'm like, where'd they get that photo? How'd they get that photo? I don't know where my mom gets the gifts that she sends me. Like when she <laughs> sends me a text gift, I'm like, where did you find that? And sometimes I look at her aura frame and I'm like, where did you download this? No, I'm like, where did you get this photo from? Whose Instagram did you steal this photo off of? You know? They love to steal from, and they love to just screenshot and not crops. Yeah. But it'll just oh. be like a cropped 
iPhone photo that's Instagram. on the Aura frame. Exactly, with it. comments and everything. It'll just be on. <laughs> it'll be zoomed in sometimes, so it's extra blurry. But you know what? That's how easy it is to get the photos on the Aura frame because my parents can figure out how to do it. Do they do yes. it well? No, but do they do it? Yes. And the other thing that's great about Aura frames, when you give them to your mom, your mother, a mother in your life, a mother mm-hmm. figure, it's a great Mother's Day gift, whoever the mother in your life is. You can connect it to your oh, yeah. Aura app and, and you, you can, can just photos. send them photos. You right. can, if they approve it, you can just put photos and kind of troll them and have fun and put random photos. I do it to Lindsay sometimes. Yeah, he does. Um, you can do it to your mom. My mom gave me access because she likes putting you gotta be careful. Ad photos. You got to be a little careful with that, but you, you, should, you could do it, but you should do it. You got to be a little bit careful. But you Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected and they come with unlimited storage because it's all in the cloud. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to mom's frame. Not only will she be grateful, it's not another sweater. She'll love that an Aura frame means she gets to see more of you. So right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code WHO at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, Weekly. Um, long time, long time. You may have already gotten some calls about this, but um, it appears that Margaret Qualley and Jack Antonoff are engaged. So the journey is over for us, guys. You know, I guess bullying doesn't really work. Um, and yeah, wish them all the best. God bless. Um, Leanne Cuisine. Thank you. When all these calls started coming in, when we were working on the doc, like, of course, we put these calls in the doc. Yeah, we're going to talk about this. But now that the calls have been played, Margaret Qualley and Jack Antonoff are engaged. I'm just sort of like, okay. (laughs) Well, I am sad because I feel like her fun, um, her fun, like, run through all of the, like, male Hollywood stars that she's dated over the past, like, years or so has been fun for gossip magazines do you know what I mean like she kind of like ran through a bunch of them which was fun like some hot some real hot guys and some real fucking stinkers but like uh sorry I'm thinking about Shia LaBeouf but like in terms of kind of her being like a single girly out in the town I think I'm like sad that she's marrying Jack Antonoff of all people and now she's like suddenly settling down with a 38 year old man (laughs) you're like right like it's like she's only 27 (laughs) like can't you like give me three more years of running around you know what i mean like it was fun for everyone including i think yourself exactly no do you feel bad what about the what about the model he dated before this whose tush is on the album cover saint vincent's remember her what was her name carlotta cole carlotta Carlotta Cole. cole His dating history is really funny. If you go to Who's Dated Who, it goes... Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson, Alia Shawcott, Lena Dunham, Carlotta Cole, Margaret Qualley. Yeah. Meanwhile, Margaret Qualley's is like Nat Wolf, Pete Davidson, Cara Delevingne, yeah. rumor, 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 Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> right, right. Jack Antonoff, you know? I'm obsessed with the fact that Jack Antonoff was like, I must have my mother-in-law be Andy McDowell. Like, was like <laughs> that is the goal here, you know? Oh, my God. And his brother-in-law... Is gonna be who's Rainford? Who's her sister dating again? The other. Oh my God! His brother-in-law is going to be Bill Pullman's son, Lewis Pullman. Oh, it's Bob, who we really, who we literally were gonna talk. Somebody called in later, but we did kind of talk about him already. Bob from Top Gun. Bob from Top Gun is gonna be his brother-in-law if Rainsford. Rainey and Lewis Pullman get married, which maybe she'll see that her sister is getting married and say that they're going to have to pull the trigger too. So yeah, these two are engaged. I mean, it is one of those things where it's just like, you know, 
Okay. <laughs> okay. You're going to see her around Brooklyn Heights more often, I guess. Hi, Timmy, Lindsay, Bobby. Long time, long time. I'm calling to ask about what is going on between D.L. Hughley and Monique. I see on the internet there's some sort of a feud. It seems ongoing, but I'm a little confused. I can't quite parse it out. I do have COVID currently, so maybe it's just a little brain fog. But I was really hoping you guys could help me out by explaining to me what is going on. Crunch, crunch. Thank you. Bye. Am I confused by this headline or is it my COVID? Like, that's a real, that's a real <laughs> conundrum here. It's that's like, a real thing. That's a real is this question. actually confusing or is my brain fog preventing me from comprehending what's going on with D.L. Hewley and uh, Monique? What is going on with them? It's a debate over fame level. I think that that's why it's so interesting because they're fighting over who is more famous, essentially. Really, but, it's a contract dispute. Okay, but you're narrowing it down faster than explaining what it actually is. Okay, so D.L. Hughley and Monique were both booked to perform at a Detroit comedy show recently. And when Monique came out to perform, she opened with a 10 plus minute long, I wouldn't call it a rant, but I would call it like a very passionate explanation as to why she was so upset. And the reason she was so upset was that backstage, she and D.L. Hughley had a huge fight over who was going to be the headliner. Wait, that's so funny. So they're double headlining and Mon- and didn't want and were disagreeing on who goes out first. Yeah. And Monique was like, oh I don't open God. for anyone. No, I'm oh not an my opener. God. I don't open for anyone. But how do they think a double headliner works? Someone has to go out first. The motherfucking contract said that a bitch is the headliner. The headliner. Let me say it again. The headliner. That's what the motherfucking contract says. Monique is to be the last motherfucking person on the goddamn stage. She is the headliner. That's what I signed the fuck up for. I'm 30 plus years in this motherfucking business and I don't open for no goddamn body. The contract said the headliner. The contract said the headliner. The contract said the headliner. It is long. And also the thing about Monique is like, this is kind of one of the things that she does. She's really good at like very long storytelling. That's her thing. Even though it's not comedy, it's like pretty engaging. But after this whole thing, they both take to Instagram and they post their contracts. Stop. But Deal Hughley posts the deal memo. Okay. Now we have a difference between the deal memo and the actual performance agreement, like the contract. And so Deal Hughley posts a deal memo that calls him the headliner. Then Monique posts her performance agreement and says, there were some of you who were fooled by the smoke and mirrors of DL posting his deal memo versus his performance agreement. Here is my performance agreement. And here are emails and texts confirming that as per usual, I'm always going to keep it real and honest with my people. If you notice, mine has signatures and DL does not. Sorry, but I see UTA the top of this deal memo. Talk to your fucking agents. This is their job. How is this my job? How is this my job? Like, this truly is crazy. This is, you pay these people 10% of what you make to fix these problems. To put this out in the public to somehow solve for you or something is like, use the service that you are paying for to resolve this. After Monique posted her contract, 
DL reposted it and zooms in on the top and goes, man, Hicks Media Inc., hold up, that's you. You really show, you're really showing everyone a contact you submitted from your own company. I smell bullshit. He's saying that she's just posting a random contract that isn't even real. So it's just a contract dispute. That's all it is. I'm also just like, if you are so obsessed with being the headliner, don't perform on a double bill. Like, that's the whole point of a double bill. Is there's kind of two headliners like a double bill is like two people of like equal fame or the idea is they're equally famous to different people. So like if you're not going to if you're going to come for one and see the other, you you might vaguely know who they are, but you're not a fan. But the idea being like you're a fan of your person and you also like you, you have double the attraction to lure people in. If you want to just headline a show with openers that are all like less famous than you and whatever, then you don't get that double attraction. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just the essence of what a, of a double headliner is like, like, and that what, and what that means is sometimes you have to perform for people who aren't your biggest, who aren't huge fans of you. Yeah. Apparently DL fully refused to perform that night. Like he was like, I will not be doing this. So, at least Monique performed. <laughs> it's funny that she's been getting called unprofessional by him. It sounds like he's like fucking way more fucking unprofessional than her. Who is them here? <laughs> I don't know. I think that both of them are thems, but the fact that this is a conversation about who is them here or who is who here makes it very funny to me. <laughs> who is them here? I think that Monique is. <sighs> we talked about this a couple days ago and you weren't. I don't think I you said were convinced. DL. Do you think well, DL is, is them here? Kind of. I mean, I'm. Um... After the Monique Lee Daniels thing kind of made the rounds, I was reminded of Monique's kind of impact and like that people really do care about her and like that she is famous. Mm -hmm. But I, but I don't know. I just feel like he's kind of one of those like classic names of comedy. Kings of comedy, right? Exactly. But that's the thing is, I think what's crazy is that what my conclusion is, they'd be a great double header if they could like fucking agree on who's on who's the who goes first okay what's them here a performance agreement or a deal memo <laughs> <laughs> a deal memo right? i think a deal memo is them here for sure 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 for sure sure sure, sure. Mm-hmm. i just love this uta at the top of this contract like i'm sorry but i see the contract and i see uh the contact a status confirmed where's the name of the person who's your agent who you can who you can talk to about this well he, bl- they have he blacked it out right i'm just saying like i see the um contact information for uta at the bottom of this why don't you give them a call you know yeah he also shows the schedule from the back like the um the call sheets at the back whatever and it says that deal was the closer according to the backstage show schedule but everything that monique shows has literally the opposite. She shows all these documents that just show just the opposite of what everything says and all these emails from the venue people saying, you're the headliner, you're the headliner, we love you, you're going to go on last. So it's truly like all of them are showing all of them are showing receipts, but the receipts are the complete inverse of the others. Who fabricated these documents? Because someone fabricated the documents or the galaxy brain is that someone knew that these two were going to fight if a decision no. was made. So they made double documents. <laughs> they made one for each. That is ultimate galaxy brain. <laughs> Hi, Timmy. I mean, Lindsay Bobby. Who is Chrissy from Stranger Things? And is she related to Scarlett Johansson? All right. Thanks. Crunch, crunch.
she's not related to Scarlett Johansson. She's related to Casper Van Dien. She kind of looks like Scarlett Johansson. I think that's why they're saying that. Wait, Johnny Rico from Starship Troopers is her dad? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I hate that. Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, Johnny Rico is her dad and Robert Mitchum from Night of the Hunter and Cape Fear, the original Cape Fear, is her great-grandfather. <laughs> that's wild. It's like weird nepotism. It's But Casper Van Dien is like kind of a like cult guy. Like he's like mm-hmm. a cult classic guy. I mean, he's been in a million things, but he but it's almost like nothing really was good or notable other than Starship Troopers, you know, and people love that movie so much. But he's just like also famous for being kind of a dumb hunk. Like yes. not all that not that not all that good at his job, but in that way he's good at it. But he's always playing like like a guy named Kurt or like a guy named Lieutenant like Colonel Harold Richards or Or Johnny Char- Rico. Right. That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like all of his roles are like you know, Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat Legacy, the TV series from 2013, you know. Mm-hmm. So his her dad oh is Casper Van Dien. Her mom is Carrie Mitchum, who is not a very famous actor, but is the granddaughter or the daughter of an actor who is also not very famous. But her grandfather is Robert Mitchum. Okay, she was on The Bold and The Beautiful for like 20 years, though. Casper Van Dien and Carrie Mitchum are both like working actors. They're just not like A-listers. They're both... Big who's. Sure, and I would argue who's. that Carrie Mitchum is a not. What about Robert Mitchum, though? Robert Mitchum, I think, is a old Hollywood them. Maybe who now? Maybe who to us now? But in some of the most, like, f- iconic movies of all time, arguably. Uh, iconic? <laughs> or arguably. Right. Just like sure, an sure, iconic sure. creep. An iconic creep. Yeah, what's his, what is he always cast as? Kind of like a, the like creep. A, like a villain almost? Oh, he's the villain. He's like an iconic villain. Um, in I think Night of the Hunter where he plays Harry Powell and Cape Fear where he plays Max Cady have you seen the Robert De Niro Cape no. Fear he no. was in the Robert De Niro role in oh, the original Cape Fear okay 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 he's a creepy guy sorry is his great granddaughter playing a villain in Stranger Things is Chrissy is she the is she mean Um, no she's I've only she seen nice? the first episode of Stranger Things so I'll try to do this without spoilers Ugh. She's not mean. She's okay. going through it. I'll say that. She's going through it. Is she good? She's good, but she's very one note, and that one note is traumatized. <laughs> she's she's traumatized for an hour of that show. The movie that she first was in with her dad, he directed. It was a version of Sleeping Beauty that he directed and was in. Both of his daughters are in it. So is Catherine Oxenberg, who you might remember from the Nexium drama. Her, mm-hmm. remember? Yeah. Wow, yes, of course. Yeah, so it all connects, but I don't think you can actually... Uh, watch this version of Sleeping Beauty anymore. It seems like it is uh, not even on streaming or really anywhere. It's only available on Betamax at Casper Van <laughs> right. Dien's house. That's <laughs> what I think. That's what I think. So, okay. So, got it. So, she, that's where she started and now she's made her way into Stranger Things. Hi, guys. Sorry if he has surpassed into them t- territory, but um, what's going to happen with Miles Teller? Like, he... Hasn't been in a movie for, I just looked this up with my boyfriend, for like five years. I thought that he was canceled after he, that Esquire, not canceled, but like no one wanted to work with him after that Esquire interview. And he kind of just seems like an asshole. Um, And doesn't he, isn't he an anti-vaxxer? But like my whole For You page is people being like, oh my God, Miles Teller's so hot, Miles Teller's so hot, like every single video. And then I even got a video that was like, 
oh, thank God Miles Teller was cast in Top Gun, so my wife will go see it with me. And I looked up his Wikipedia IMDb, and he's, like, not really in anything after this. And I feel like normally when, like, somebody's in a big movie like this, their agent will line up, like, a bunch of other really big things afterwards. So, like, what's going to happen? Okay, thank you guys. Bye. Here's the thing that happened with Miles Teller. I think we all assumed that he was an anti-vaxxer for a long time, and that made us, like, passionately dislike him for a long time, myself included. Then months later, he was like, I don't know what y'all are talking about, guys. I've been vaccinated for a while. People were kind of like, wow, this guy's doing a lot of like roles where he's like an army guy or he, you know, bleed for this. Thank you for your service. Only the brave like war dogs it actually wasn't about that. But like he kind of got away from what people maybe wanted for him. He was in Divergent. He was in Fantastic Four. He was in Allegiant. Like he kind of was this heartthrobby guy. And then he did some roles that were more just kind of like you know almost when john krasinski decided he wanted to play what's the, what's that guy what's what's that guy on amazon what was his name the books and everybody was mad because he's like a cia jack 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 um, jack ryan yeah jack <laughs> ryan like everyone was john like, krasinski ooh. was like i love yeah. the cops <laughs> right right and everybody was kind of like ooh. you know what i mean like there was there was just some sort of shift where it was like this is not we don't want him, this from you or or we don't want yes. this at all ever so it's just interesting because there, nothing ever happened with Miles Teller, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I think the shift came, I totally forgot this, I don't think it came with the anti-vaxxer thing. I think it came from that interview he did where the interviewer called him a dick. Remember that? But that was like years and that was like 2015. Sure, that was but that's so when the shift long ago. But that's when the shift changed. Think about it. In 2015 he did Fantastic he in 2015 he did Fantastic 4, Allegiant came out and then he did War Dogs, Bleed for This, Thank You for Your Service, Only the Brave, Too Old to Die Young miniseries. I don't even know what that is. Right. He did kind of go from being a sweetie it guy in Hollywood to being someone who Esquire referred to as not even dick, dickish, dickish, dickish. I'm just saying there was I think that actually was kind of a big thing, bigger than maybe bigger than any other like weird profile. That's kind of a drop in the bucket. He was kind of categorized as a dick. Sensi boy to I'm a piece of shit, kind of. Right. The the profile which is uh, written by Anna Peel. Because the profile tries to twist it as like, Miles Teller is young, talented, and doesn't give a rat's ass what you think. And then the subhead is, our latest cover star is on a quest for greatness. Sometimes that can involve a bit of dickishness too. Mm-hmm. But like that didn't work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now he's getting cast as like dicks and stuff. Like I haven't watched that Godfather show that, the again, there were rumors that he was unvaccinated on the set of that Godfather show. And apparently that was not true at all. Apparently he was vaccinated on the set of that Godfather show. Yeah. He was just a dick on the set of that Godfather show. But I think that being a dick is actually helping him in a way because now he's being cast as a dick and stuff. He's a dick right. in Top Gun. A dick with a heart of gold, kind of, but still a dick. <laughs> Rooster. He is a dick. He's a cock. He is a dick. Oh, my God. He is a dick. Oh, then he responded to the tweet. The time Miles Teller's in a quest for greatness, a little bit of dickness, too. He responded, couldn't be more wrong. I don't think there's anything cool or entertaining about being a dick or an asshole. Very misrepresenting. Like, they were kind of just trying to be like, he's a dick and he's proud of it. Like, like that's his thing. And mm-hmm. he was like, no. 
And then he said to the Guardian that he felt helpless and angry. Quote, for the average person, they're reading this article. They haven't met you. They're like, oh, Miles is an asshole, he said. You didn't hear it? You didn't read the Esquire? Yeah, they said he was an asshole. He must be. Mm-hmm. And also whenever he was revealed himself to be vaccinated, he was like, I'm not anti-vax. The only anti-thing I am is anti-hate or something. I was like, okay, I guess that's a good tweet. Also, to be fair, the Top Gun being any different than any roles he's played in the past recently is crazy because he's playing a... He's playing a guy in the Navy. He used, he played a boxer. He played a, a army sergeant. He played a firefighter. These are mm-hmm. all connected things. Like, these are all in the same realm. Top Gun is just more pop than the rest of them. A little bit mm-hmm. more campy and more fun to watch than Bleed for This, in which he played a blue-collar boxer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm intrigued by this upcoming thing that's in pre-production. It's called The Fence. I saw this too. The only cast that's listed is him. And it says a pair of liberal newlyweds find themselves at odds with an ultra conservative neighbor over a nine foot tall fence. He insists on building to keep his home safe from potential terrorists. Seems fun. I understand that he's almost certainly going to be one of the pair of liberal newlyweds, but I could see him as the angry conservative neighbor who wants to build a nine foot tall fence, (laughs) you know, like, or maybe he's the fence. We don't know. He's not the fence. Like our friend Fran said, she says everyone's paying attention to Miles Teller, but not enough people are paying attention to Glenn Powell, who finally gets to star in this movie that, like, his career has been, you know what I mean? Like, this guy's been up and coming forever. No. Come on. I don't like him. I feel this is rude and maybe luxist. I think he looks like a murderer, and I don't like. Stop. He has the face of a of a killer uh, and to go Wendy Williams he's <laughs> the killer so when I see Glenn Powell I'm like you're gonna murder someone come on uh, he's in another movie about flying a plane too he's I get that he's well cast in that role but like the other people in that movie the young guys the like 30 somethings there are better ones than him Bob we love Lewis Pullman payback Jay Ellis love that who's Phoenix Monica Barbaro Michael Barbaro's sister <laughs> Is it? I'm no. Kidding. No, I'm kidding. Glenn is in the next movie written by the girly who did Booksmart with Zoe Deutsch. Just saying. Glenn. Is he going to kill someone in it? Okay. So, <laughs> why are you calling him a killer? Every time he popped on screen, I was like, you're the killer. <laughs> He's the killer. Okay, stop. Um, I will say, though, it was interesting uh, when I saw this movie with our GFF was there as well. And our GFF was like, who's that? And it was Jay Ellis. He had no idea. And I was like, oh, that's Lawrence from- Oh, because he doesn't watch Insecure. Right. I said, oh, that's Lawrence from Insecure. And he goes, oh. And I'm like, this is, I was like, that's so funny. This is a huge deal that he's in this. He's nudging you. Who's this? And you're like, that's fucking Jay Ellis. Well, that's what he said. He was like, who is that? Like, he was like, hunky. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so funny. This is Jay Ellis's like big, well, big first kind of like move away from Insecure, which is like big for him because he's great. But like, in a way, niche if you've never seen Insecure. Hollywood had to be like, we need to cast, you know, five charming hunks. And he was among them. He could just be a charming hunk and not, you know, like a fuckboy and Insecure. That's what I'm saying. It's like he's almost been typecast because he played that role for so long. And this is the first like breakaway. And guess what? The next movie he's in is directed by Dave Franco and written by Alison Brie and Dave Franco. God. (laughs) In case you're wondering where we're moving. I love looking at what's coming up just because it's like it really shows the direction like thematically of where the person is going in their career. 
I'm imagining myself being in the same room with Alison Brie and Dave Franco writing a screenplay together. And I'm like <laughs> visualizing myself as Samara from the ring, just standing there with like Stop. my hair over my face, like being waiting miserable. for them to notice you. <laughs> Going Be like, anyway, so Miles Tellers, is he a them now though? I guess. I think so. I don't know. No, I like, I think so. I kind of think he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, whatever. He's a them. Yeah. Is he? This is, it's actually, I'm, this is not a bit. I don't, my gut says he is, but like, I'm sort of like, are you? The controversies that he's gotten himself into feel very who adjacent to me, feel very who-y to me. Oh, for the way that he sure. Beha- but he does behave like a them. He, he behaves with the confidence of a them. But one you know? Vemmy movie in which you're not the star does not a them make. You know what I mean? He's it's it's Tom Cruise as the star of this movie. Everybody else is second. Like I don't care whether he's the one who's the this almost the second lead. Oh, Jennifer Connelly kind of outranks the rank him in this of movie. this movie. It goes Tom Cruise, Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly, Connelly, The Planes, and then Miles Teller, <laughs> Lady Gaga, then Miles Teller, <laughs> then Bill Pullman's son. <laughs> We're going to go long on Top Gun on our Patreon. So if you're not a Patreon subscriber, like now's the time. If you want like kind of, you know, an hour or so on this movie, I, f- I have a feeling we're going to do that. It's going to be a very gay Patreon episode this weekend because it's Top Gun and Fire Island. Could it get oh any gayer? <laughs> Literally, I cannot wait to compare and contrast. I know they're not about the same thing at all, but I cannot wait to compare and contrast. There is something so heartbreaking and heartwarming about Top Gun being as big of a movie as it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that. I can't wait. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. Could you help me settle a bet that I have with a friend? Are 100 grand candy bars whose or them's of candy bars? Thanks. Um, crunch, crunching on a 100 grand bar. What? What's in a 100 grand bar, Ren? Not that I need to know. I need to know this to answer the question, but. It's got the crispy rice on the outside, which is the best part of it. And then the inside's just like a bunch caramel? of caramel. Like a bunch of caramel. Oh, man. That sounds delicious. <sighs> I'm hungry. <laughs> Undergrand, like most candy bars, but I think specifically the bite size hundred grand is a better ratio than the full size candy bar. I agree. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But but is it a who or them? I would say it's a, who, it's a who though. Yeah. I think it's a who because it's rare. There was a time when I really loved hundred hundred grands and like Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. And then they were and I noticed they were hard to find and I would always get one when I saw one because I didn't see them a lot. It was like high school or something. I was mm-hmm. like into hundred grand. Mm-hmm. But also they used to be called the one hundred thousand dollar bar. I was gonna say that. Do you know what they used to be called? The hundred the one hundred thousand dollar bar. Which is insane. Yeah, the only reason I know so that it's hard. a Seinfeld. That is so it's a Seinfeld ha- <laughs> reference. <laughs> Wait, really? He's like, I want a hundred thousand dollar bar and there's a woman at a car dealership who's like I know they changed the name from hundred thousand dollar bar to hundred grand. That might be the reason that I started eating hundred grand because I heard about them on Seinfeld. But you're so right. What other candy bars are best in their mini size? I do feel like that's kind of a thing where like I'd rather eat 12 minis of something than like one full bar of Snickers, if that makes sense. Well, see, I was going to say, I knew you were going to say Snickers. I want the full, I love a full Snickers bar because it's so nutty that it feels like a meal. Like it feels, there's something, it gaslights you into thinking that it's healthy. It's like, no, it's, (laughs) it's, I'm eating probably protein. There is something so fucking sinful about eating a full Snickers bar versus eating (laughs) what is, what is arguably the same amount, if not more than the one Snickers bar in minis. I love a mini Kit Kat. Because it's just the two. Because you get the satisfaction of the breaking it apart. Okay, see, I disagree. I want the king-size jumbo Kit Kats. Have you had those, the, like, oversized ones? They're outrageous. <laughs> I don't think so. You okay. know what flavor Kit Kat I had yesterday? What? 
Who were, were you telling me about the new flavor? Like a biscotti or something? I was telling you about a Kit Kat flavor at the beach and you were like, give me one. Because I was telling you about it as though I brought them with me. And I was like, oh, I don't have any. And then you got pissed off. But I finally did eat one of them because Wait. Rebecca gave me some. Wait, it was, what's it called? It's whole wheat? wheat biscuit. She got it at a Japanese grocery store. And the it, it, everything was in Japanese. Whole grain there was biscuit. Whole grain biscuit. And so the front of it looked like one of those like cars whole grain crackers Wait, on the front. So and she was good. like, wait, what? And so she bought the whole bag of minis and then the translation on the back in English said whole grain biscuit next to it. But I don't know if that's literal because I don't speak Japanese. I don't read Japanese. But it was very, very tasty. Really, okay. it tasted just like the white chocolate version. A little like a saltier version of the white chocolate Kit Kat, which I love. My favorite Kit Kats in terms of the new flavors Green tea. still are, no, the mint ones they released. in. Oh, I don't like those. They're not Japanese. They're like one of the weird American flavors that they're trying out is the mint flavor. I like the green tea ones. Mm-hmm. You used to always have those green tea ones in your apartment. Well, right? I, I for a while I was like trying all the flavors. I was going through a journey yeah. of trying all the flavors. But I do think yeah. that one of my new faves is just the ones they sell in Walgreens now, which are these mint ones, these yeah. duos. Other candy bars that are great in mini form are sure. Crackles. But okay. no, you know the thing but is, you don't even see a crackle full size. You never anymore. see the full size. If I had a full size crackle, I would definitely buy one. It's just a matter of like the consistency, you know, of the bar. That's why I feel like Snickers, you're right, works as a full size bar. But like something like the hundred, one thousand, one hundred thousand dollar grand bar, it's so kind of heavy and full of a caramel baby Ruth. that it works as small. I love a baby, baby Ruth. Ruth. I kind of like it as a full size bar because again, all the peanuts. <laughs> The peanuts make me feel like I'm like having a meal. What about a whatchamacallit? I like those as a full-size bar. Wait, what's a whatchamacallit? I've never had that. What's oh, that? my God. That's a really good one. It's peanut butter, caramel, <gasps> This crisps. looks amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, I've seen this logo, but I've never had one. It's this definitely, is amazing. But it's definitely a who. Like, it's it's a who bar. That's a who. Oh, that looks yeah. so good. Yeah. You know what I loved for a long time when they introduced them and then, like, I don't really see them as full-sizes anymore? Take fives. A full-size Take 5, iconic. What is Take 5 again? It's like Take it was 5 like to five eat. five things all is in the once. idea is like Take 5 to eat this bar. Isn't there pretzels in it? Pretzels, caramel, peanut butter, peanuts, and chocolate. Okay, so it, because, yeah, I think it's a, I think Reese's like acquired it or something. Hi, Lizzie Bobby. Long time, long time. Um, finishing the Stranger Things season that dropped this past weekend. And I feel like unlike last season where Maya Hawk was kind of like the name everybody was talking about, there isn't really any new cast members that people are buzzing about. So instead, the internet's just at war over the Kate Bush inclusion. Um, and because running up that hill is like all over the charts again. Um, so it's, of course, that horrible thing on Twitter where one person is like, I can't believe people are finding out about Kate Bush and Stranger Things. And then 100 people are like, let people find out about artists however they want. But... I knew who Kate Bush was. I definitely know people who didn't. Kate Bush, who are them? Crunch Crunch, Lindsay Podcaster. Bye. Before we Kate Bush, who are them? I can't believe people still say Lindsay Podcaster. <laughs> That's a funny one. That's a funny one. I feel like for this specifically, um, I'm sometimes like a gatekeep person, but you cannot gatekeep Kate Bush. This is such a good thing for the culture. Having Kate Bush mm. be part of younger culture's awareness and having somebody use this song as a gateway to other Kate Bush songs, like... Withering Heights and other like incredible songs that she has. Babushka, what is that song? I love that one. Yeah, Babushka. It, it, like that's amazing. That's good for culture. This is this is good for culture. 
we hope that this makes you discover Wuthering Heights and this woman's work, please. And it's funny because I have very distinct memory, and this is so cool that when I was in my teens, or what teens? When was the OC on? In our teens, when we were in our teens. 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 And the OC played late teens, but still. Okay, well, whatever. Still, still in the <laughs> still in the music discovery area of my life. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about Kate Bush, and. The OC had a cover of Running Up That Hill, an iconic scene where Ryan, uh, who, uh, I forget what happened. It's, it's after Marissa's dead. Yeah. Marissa's dead and Ryan has like a haircut. You yes. Know? And he's like, oh, he's, it's like showing you what he's been up to and it's all like And he goes shit. to What's Her Name's house. He goes to see What's Her Name, Marissa's but mom. But the OC, they were too, um, I would say coward, cowardly to, cowardly? <laughs> they were too cowardly. They were to, too cheap. <laughs> and too cheap to get the original song, so they used a cover by Placebo, which also is a good cover. When I heard that song, I became so obsessed with it because it's such a good song that I found my way to Kate Bush. And that's when I started my Kate Bush journey, like yeah. getting really into her music and like knowing about her and, and what like an incredible artist she is. It's like rising up the charts. And there was a story published this week on Billboard that's like speculating that at this rate, it might like actually get into the Hot 100 on Billboard because of the streaming. Because be like, I don't really so... know how they do the cool i still don't know how they do the math but like they take streaming into account now but i think it just takes a lot of it to get you on the hot 100 and yeah yeah, yeah. it's doing well enough that it might become our highest hot 100 chart ever and also (laughs) the thing about stranger things is there's a story in variety about how they did this where it's like they when they get the scripts together i guess there's like you know these these episodes cost like 30 million dollars a piece they're spending all this time like reading the scripts and planning out the music and they have to come up with like their top choices for music their alternates because there are budgetary constraints but then also like the artists or the labels can say no we don't give you permission so they like prepped all this they were like this is going to be such an important song to this season of television they sent kate bush like the pages of the script Stop. and then according to variety kate was like oh absolutely like not only do i like this as a narrative device, but like, I love Stranger Things. Like, Stop. Kate Bush is just simply a Stranger Things That's fan. Like so she was nice. like, you can absolutely use my song. And they say in this story, That's nice. there are no real details, but they say in the story that Kate Bush is apparently like notoriously very selective and says no. So maybe she said no to the OC, you know? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe. I do think a lot of the people that you're seeing who are quote unquote gatekeeping or joking, like, I, I think there's like yeah, a kind of yes. a, I think there's kind of a misread on people being like, no, not Kate Bush and Stranger Things. Like, I think like, the backlash mm-hmm. to that, people being like, don't gatekeep Kate Bush, is people are joking about wanting to gatekeep Kate Bush. I don't think anyone. Yeah. I think there's a very small percentage of people who are seriously, earnestly, honestly saying, don't let young people know about running up that hill. Like, mm-hmm. that's crazy, right? It's Pride Month. You better learn about running up that hill, you know? Also, this song is like part of culture in a way that is already, you know, it was, do you remember the... Do you remember the 2012 Olympics, Summer Olympics closing ceremony in the UK? They like released a new remix of the song that played. Do you remember this at all? I don't remember the 2012 Summer Olympics in London, unfortunately. (laughs) I remember the logo. I thought the logo was funny. It was really good. It was really good. I recommend. It was a newly recorded version and the performers Uh were like like in a pyramid. 
You'll have to watch it. It's so good. It's just like this song is kind of like a current throughout culture that like that like surges, you know. <laughs> but is Kate Bush a who or a them? I think the answer is one, two, three. Them. Who? But I think that that's part of her. But I think her hooiness is part of the appeal. That's the whole thing. Like the sure. whole thing about Kate Bush is like she's an artist that like sure. is permanently underground, even though she's not. The 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 allure of her is that she feels like someone you need to discover in some way. Yeah. You have a story about the first time you heard Kate Bush, you know, like she's at the same time always discovered and undiscovered. Like yeah. there is like a she's never gone like, away. There's a mystique. Do I think she's a that? Mm. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe a who. Yeah. I don't know. It's like your Kate Bush origin story is that. My Kate Bush origin story is when I first saw She's Having a Baby and I was like, what is this song? <laughs> you know, Wait, like, which, song, which song was it, Weathering Heights? This woman's work, baby. Oh. Come on. Okay, well, that's... And also what's crazy is that a lot of Kate Bush songs are revitalized through covers because this woman's work was revitalized yeah. by that cover by... Uh, what's his face? I love him. What's Ingrid Michaelson's ex-husband. What's Greg Laswell. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of... The cover by um, Maxwell. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. The cover by Maxwell. Yeah, yeah. Greg Laswell's cover is better than Maxwell's cover. Okay, I but. disagree. <laughs> Agree but. to disagree. Agree People to are disagree. constantly covering that song. Men love covering that song. And one of the best karaoke songs of all time happens to be Wuthering Heights. So you know, we're just there's a lot going on, and I do think the the imagery of her dancing in the red dress is very mm-hmm. always kind of around. Right? Yeah. She had a style that was so unique that it's like permanently in fashion. Kate Bush is always fashionable. Kate Bush has never been out of fashion, just like aesthetically. Mm -hmm. Did you know Wuthering Heights was her debut song? That's wild. That's like not even. She was like 20 years old. That's a crazy song. She's still young. Like she's only 63. You'd think that like (laughs) for someone who's releasing music since the 70s. You think she'd be like Cher's age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No, but she's not. But I do think that also in the UK, she's way more of a share than she is here. Like, she's more of an icon that is more mm-hmm. prevalent than here. Yeah. In a way. Don't gatekeep Kate Bush. Don't gatekeep Kate Bush. <laughs> Let everyone in. Also, gatekeeping is like, gatekeep this restaurant so it doesn't get too crowded. <laughs> like, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? We should all be listening to Kate Bush and having a good time. Kim Petras did a Amazon original cover of Running Up That Hill. Did you know that? Wait, what? Talk about Pride Month. Here, listen to this. That's actually perfect. That's good. Thank you for listening to another episode of Who's There, our weekly call-in show. Keep calling in at 619-WHO-THEM to leave questions, comments, and concerns. Support us on patreon.com slash whoweekly for bonus episodes, a Discord server, some newsletters, and more. You know, a great community. Uh, thank you to Katie and Eric of The Who's for providing our Rita theme song on Tuesdays. Thank you to Timmy, our research and editorial assistant, for researching and editorializing. And we'll see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Happy Pride. Bye. Bye. Happy Pride. Bye.
he has the face of a of a killer. I just found out that Eileen Fisher is a real person. I thought I always thought she was, like, a concept. Like, she was, like, an ideal. And that's, like, there was, like, we're all Eileen Fisher. But she's real. Like, she's, like, it's Eileen Fisher's named after the real Eileen Fisher. So, she's not just made up. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Long time, long time. I'm just calling to say that Bobby's Elvis voice is so fucking hot, and I would like to hear more of it um, for the ongoing future as we get more updates on Austin Butler's Baz Berman, Baz, oh god, fuck, Baz Lerman's Elvis, starring Maggie Gyllenhaal, and um, yeah, anyways, bye. Oh my God, Bobby, your Elvis accent, holy smoke, that was amazing, I like swerved in my car, okay, nothing dangerous happens, but okay, awesome, crunch crunch. Hi, Lindsay Bobby, um, long time listener calling from the East Village with COVID right now, um, Stay safe out there. My roommate was shocked the other day about Phoebe Bridgers and Paul Mezcal and was upset by their age difference. And I was so confused. None of us bothered to look it up. But I was like, I don't think she's that much older than him. And he was like, she's older than him? What? Turns out he was confusing Paul Mezcal and Pedro Pascal. Um, Me and Grease, women don't belong in balloons. Hi, Bobby Lindsay. Um, I don't know if this is a funny anecdote, but you're talking about celebrity uh, phobias. And um, when I was a teen or like tween, I used to tell people that I was I had a phobia of um, nail clippers and that it was terrifying for me every time I had to clip my nails. Um, but I it wasn't true. I just I just made it up for attention. Um, so. I think you're correct to take um, take celebrities with a grain of salt. Okay, bye. Hi, um, can you talk about what Dimes Square, that's Dimes, D-I-M-E-S, Square in New York City is? Um, apparently, it's like a small, like, neighborhood or area block of the Lower East Side or something, but... I feel like for the last, like, three weeks, I've just been seeing so many, like, substacks and essays and tweets about Dimes Square and Dimes Square culture, and I don't know what it is. I don't know why it's relevant now all of a sudden. Um, I feel like it has something to do with, like, the Julia Fox girlies, but, uh, yeah, no idea should we know about this, what should we know about this um, Thanks, crunch, crunch.